With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, welcome to Chesie Hour. My name is Meads. I'll be your host. Um, it's just going to be a, a, a small, intimate one today. Um, it's myself and Jerry. Jerry, how you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Good, man. It's good, been a good while. to be back. Yeah, it it's, has. It's been a while since you've been on the pod. Um, but it'd be interesting to get your thoughts because a lot has happened and a lot has changed since the last time you were on the pod, funny enough. Back then, we had Super Tommy Tuchel um, winning ways. Well, I wouldn't say winning ways. We had a, a bit of a slow start to the season, um, but still. Um, it's all changed since then. Um, from from attacking purgatory to just, just purgatory. Oh, my God. It's like... We'll get on to the attack and the discussion about the attack too on this because I think, yeah, we'll get onto it a little bit later on because I think there's been a bit of a disservice to Thomas Hukul, Um, but we'll get onto that later on. But firstly, obviously, we're a weekly Chelsea pod, so please like, subscribe. We're on the YouTube, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, and yeah, we're also on AMP. 
Amazon AMP. So yeah, check us out. We do weekly shows on Wednesdays. Um, that's a collective pod, so that's Touchline Frackers. Obviously, Cheziawa, Muga, Touchy Gunas, unfortunately, and Cop and Frackers. As well as the Spurs, New Spurs order. So yeah, check us out on Wednesdays um, at 9pm. So, Graham Potter. Um, again, so on the back of a, what was it, 16-game um, I think we've won two games out of 17 games. Yeah, two Premier League games. It, we've only won two Premier League games in 17. Um, and obviously that was compounded by the tepid defeat to, to Spurs at the weekend, um, which is insane, to be honest, because Spurs weren't even good. And once again, just Chelsea just lack any real sort of cohesion, any real sort of quality. And it's just, honestly, Jerry, what were your thoughts? Firstly, when, in fact, I don't, I don't want to touch on the game right now. I actually want to get your general thoughts on Potter since he's been installed. Because I've actually not heard him. Um, so please take it away. How are you feeling about Potter? And um, what was your reaction to him actually coming in and replacing Tuchel? So it's, it's, it's interesting, right? So I've sort of uh, been quite busy. Uh, so I've, over the past, let's say, two months, two, three months, I've not been able to watch um, as many Chelsea games as I usually do. Yeah. Um, usually I'll watch every game, but, you know, commitments. So <clears throat> I've sort of been sat back watching the reaction. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it's been quite interesting as a, as, as a, almost like a neutral observer. And, you know, like when Tuchel got sacked, obviously I was, I was, a, I was a big fan of Tuchel. Um, I thought he was quite a good orator. Um, I think when you listen to his post pre-match whatever uh, interviews um, it almost gives you a bar to judge the team against because he tells you exactly what he expects from them Um, and you can imagine it's the same in the dressing room Um, so you know coming from that uh, when when he was sacked um, initially I was I was just confused and as you know the story started to come out as um, sort of the reasons for his sacking you know um, came about um, I understood um, looking at his past history, um, kind of imagining uh, uh, the owner's um, question, questioning him, him uh, not not playing ball. Uh, it was it was all understandable. And I have to admit, out of all the names linked, um, Potter was the one uh, when he got the job. But I thought, OK, we've got a, a young coach, up and coming coach who plays attacking football. Uh, sign me up. That's that's exactly what. Uh, I want to see, uh, as I always say, champagne football at the bridge. That's what I want to see. <laughs> um, so, listen, I, I don't have any, any any stake in the club. I, I can't make the decisions. Uh, I'm just an observer. So, uh, Tuchel's gone. I have to accept this guy. And out of the names being linked, yeah, like I said, he was the one. Um, and for about was it five or six games, um, he was unbeaten. Um, and those mm. were the games. That, those were the last games I watched um, consistently. And then it almost, I don't know, it was just before the World Cup or after the World Cup, it, it kind of started to go wrong. And, you know, you can excuse some of the things we're seeing now in, in sort of first 10, 15 games, um, because it does take a while to get your, your message across. Uh, you, you are figuring out quite a large squad. But, you know, what I started to see, or the question I saw being asked over and over again in those first, uh, that first sort of month and a half uh, first two months is what 
I don't understand what he's doing. Like that, that was what I heard from in the, in the group chat, from pundits, um, just across across Twitter. It was, what's he doing? I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why that's happening. <clears throat> and and for me, that that that's quite extraordinary because usually what happens is, you know, that the coach goes one way and that that aligns with half of the fan base. Um, yeah. Or he goes the other way and it aligns with half the fan base but when everyone is sort of looking around thinking what what's going on that's that's uh that's quite rare um and recently i have started to watch watch the matches again and it, it's been quite concerning watching us uh because you know first you had the uh the injuries uh, you had a lot of injuries uh to, to key players um and then you had all the signings come in and we still haven't seen any improvement. I don't, I don't think we've gotten worse. I think it's just the same, which is almost, I think, almost worse than getting worse. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you think about it, if you're trying to implement your ideas in a squad, uh, if you're trying to work out a, a tactical pattern, whatever it is, uh, there's going to be a period of pain before it starts to, um, it starts to gel. Um, and we almost haven't, I don't know what's going on, but we almost haven't even had that, that that period where it looks erratic you can see we're trying to do something but it's not working and all the all the sort of excuses um all the reasons that have been put forward as to why we're not doing well um the large squad size uh the players coming back from injury the players who were injured um him not having a preseason um you know obviously stepping back from it all i've had some time to think and, and i just think there were points under Tuchel. Uh, I think two separate points where uh, Reese James and Chilwell got injured, and you could see what we were trying to do. But yeah. you could see that with Marcus Alonso and Aspilicueta, um, it just wasn't going to work. And yeah. at the time, people criticised Tuchel because he wasn't able to adapt, or um, yeah, he didn't move to a four at the back. And but you could you could still see whatever criticisms there were, you could still see that. If we put those two players back in, um, and what we're like, trying to work, can it's, it's <clears> like we, if you put in those two players or players of a similar ilk, it doesn't even have to be the same. But yeah. you know, people that have got legs, mobility. Um, for example, Ben Chilwell isn't the fastest, but he's quite mobile um, and athletic. Reese James obviously is a, a phenom, but you don't even need to have a Reese James there. But just someone that can get up and down the pitch at speed, support the attack, uh, then yeah, you you could see exactly like you said, you could you could see where the team was falling down, and obviously where we play so wide and where we attack out wide a lot of the time, and you can combine with the two forward players um, and then the striker, then you know it, it's a key part of our attack, um, but it's just it's bizarre it's bizarre that um it's bizarre you're you're able to see exactly where on how we want to play but under potter it's um yeah so so rounding out rounding out my 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 monologue (laughs) um i think under under potter what obviously i haven't really had the time to, to go into sort of uh match reviews and and sort of trying to analyze the differences between whether it be his start here and now or him and mm. Tuchel mm. but I just don't really see what he's trying to do um and I I mean I'm I, I'm not in the camp 
where I think he's he's not good enough and he needs to go. I'm I'm not quite in that camp. But okay, I, okay, I think, that's I think so. Let me ask you, okay, so this is good. This is good because I, I do want to actually find out and ask what what has made you think that he's not good. What 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 are you holding on to? What have you seen? Not even holding on to. What have you seen that gives you um, support? I guess of that view. Like what what makes you support that? What makes you believe that he is actually good enough? Potentially good enough. Um, um, so so I, I I I don't necessarily think he's 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 good enough. Um, but what yeah. I can what what where where that comes from is I honestly don't know because <laughs> what what. If if he was getting what he um, obviously he's a he's a Premier League manager, um, yeah. he's got years of experience. He obviously does know what he's doing. Um, and what I want to see is what 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 is the product he's trying to get onto the pitch? Um, because I can't judge until I see that product. Mm. And I mean, yeah, he's had difficulty in in trying to get it across. But my main issue stems from like I I can't see the product what that he's trying to get on the pitch and. Mm. Um, I guess if it, if it carries on for let's say the, the whole rest of the season, and then we go through preseason, and then it carries on to next season, then I say okay, the the issue is not with your product. The issue is with getting that product across to the players. Um, but no one knows one way or the other what 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 Chelsea are trying to do. No one, I mean, very few people. Um, usually, you get <laughs> the threads of tactical analysis after a game yeah. or what Paul is trying to do, but. It, it seems like uh, no one knows. And when you watch it, when you watch us play, um, you, you, you use the word, I think, in the group that was off the cuff. Um, yeah. And it, it does seem like um, very much the players are left to find their own solutions. And I think that's something Potter has talked about before. Um, he wants his players to be able to react in the moment, find their own solutions. And I think that, that that's okay. That's that's fine. But with, within the structure... Um, because the Premier League is is is, is a tough league, uh, and the nature of the games that we play in, um, you need weapons, I guess, to, to to break these teams down. You need to move yeah. them around, um, and whether that structure is listen, we're going to play this way, and we're going to move them around, and then when you're in the space, then I leave it. I pass the keys over to you. Um, so that would fall into the sort of putting your players in their the best position, um, yeah. but. Number one, it doesn't seem like he knows what he wants to do, and and I, I'll take this to, to, from a personal angle. Um, I recently started playing football manager, yeah, um, and this Chelsea squad is an absolute mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what I found was when you pick a tactic, uh, whatever it is, um, there's going to be players that miss out because you're picking players to play in specific roles right yeah. um and what happens is there's a few players where you're like oh i wish i wish you could play that role because then i could fit him in um and i feel like that's where he's struggling because he's got really good players for example uh mason mount kai havertz um who are almost square pegs and round holes but mm. he wants to keep them in he wants to keep them on side um and i feel like maybe that's one of the ways where he's falling short because I obviously I, I have no personal attachment to these these players. They're they're just code behind a computer screen, yeah. so it's no problem for me to to sell them. But um, I feel like maybe that's where the human aspect comes in, where he's gotten to know these players, he gets to know his squad in general, 
yeah. um, he's concerned about team morale, whatever it is. Uh, but again, that 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 that's part of your job. Um, yeah. and the, the, the next thing is, um, if you can't get results in the short term, um, and there's no long term plan that looks um, like it's developing, and then you're not telling the supporters what to look out for. Uh, press conferences don't really give um, an idea of what he's trying to do. I can see why uh, the, the the fan base has kind of lost lost trust in Potter. Um, yeah. And I'm not there yet. I don't think he should be... I don't think there's any benefit to second him now, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the season's yeah. pretty much gone. Um, but what I would say is I, I, I'm watching and I'm waiting to be convinced. I'm waiting for him to find that whatever his team is, whatever his tactic is, whatever he's looking to build, I, I, I'm waiting for that to judge him. Um, okay. And I don't, I don't necessarily think a preseason is like a magical thing where um, like you go, <laughs> you go through two, three weeks of, of training and bam, suddenly first day of the season we're there. But um, I do think that's what I'm waiting for. Um, okay. Well, thank, thank you for uh, the, the thorough monologue about about him, but no, honestly, I, I, um, it's interesting to hear your thoughts because again, it's been a while, um, and yeah, so much has happened, and I feel we have had familiar voices on on the pod before, um, so it's good and interesting to have a fresh perspective. Um, I do agree with certain aspects um, in terms of him not really having a real idea of where he wants to go and what he wants to do. Um, and for me, that's quite unsurprising, given the, the manager in place. Um, I think, let me let me start with um, just ideas and concepts and strategies and structures, right? So under Thomas Tuchel, it was quite clear that we had fantastic strategy um, and structure. I think one thing under Tuchel is whilst a structure doesn't guarantee wins and guarantee results, a good structure you can tell. A team could play a team playing within a good structure generally perform to a decent level at the at, at worst. Um, that doesn't mean it's infallible. That doesn't mean structures are good structures are um, impenetrable. Um, there's gonna be games where things don't quite go your way and you invariably get beat. Um, and that's happened plenty of times. I could, I could reference the West Brom game. I could um, reference a number of Arsenal games that we've had um, at, at the bridge where we've been the dominating team. against Manchester United as well. Again, dominating team. Um, but a slip, an error, mistake, um, or just a structural defect um, leads to us losing or dropping points, which is fine. It happens. It happens in football. You, you, it'd be boring if... The perfect structure and the, the best players win the game. That's just not how football works. Um, so, but by and large, when you have a good structure, players are comfortable within it and know exactly what they're doing, you get generally good performances. Um, and even in the early parts of the season where Potter came in and we went on that unbeaten run, you saw, probably saw in the group chat, I was very vocal and saying, this isn't good. Like I was yeah. watching games and I just kept getting that feeling of you touch, we touch. You attack, we attack. You know, there was no air of control. There was no air of... Because you go from watching Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea where we're controlling most matches. 
you know, even against the big teams, against Real Madrid, Arsenal, Chelsea, um, Liverpool, uh, Man City, like we're always having periods in the game where we're dominant. You know what I mean? Periods in the game where we're really putting the team under pressure and showing them that we're about it and we're competing. You know, even against Manchester City, and in the odd game, like I remember it was last season where we had a, a pretty poor approach. Um, I think we played Timo Werner and Lukaku up top and a three-man midfield. It was just really, really poor. And I, and I, I criticised Tuchel that day because I said, tactically, he got the approach wrong. After the game, he said, yeah, tactically, I got that really wrong. I didn't think that we were ourselves um, because I really changed the, the, the way we played. And that, that wasn't it. And by the time I tried to change, it was too late. Again, the manager's accountable. Um, under Potter, it's just all very messy. Off the cuff, um, no real attacking strategy at all. And for a manager that supposedly, uh, and I quote, he's going to get the best ever out of our attack and is going to fix our attacking issues. Um, Who are you quoting? I, I, I can quote Babs. Babs <laughs> was um, a, a big advocate of, of Graham Potter and all of a sudden has gone silent for the best part of a month. That's fine. Um, I, he probably got other commitments, and that's that's no problem. But to be shouting so loudly about um, Graham Potter and the attacking impetus that he's going to bring, and funnily enough, even in I think as uh, as late as January, February, I asked him, "You still think that our attacks improved under Potter?" He said, "Yes." Anyway, that's bizarre, but you know what I mean. It's mad. Um, we've not scored. We've only scored six goals since November. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's wild. But anyway, not to digress too much, Graham Potter, for a, a supposed attacking coach, the lack of attacking structure, attacking identity and attacking strategy is wild to me. Absolutely wild. But then I took some time out. In my frustration, in my annoyance, I took some time out to really watch because I've watched Brighton for a number of years, to be honest. I've watched Brighton. Um, I wouldn't say that I've been a, a massive fan of Potter. I mean, I, I like him. He, he's a decent guy. Seems like a good guy. Um, tactically, um, he looked okay. Because I think one thing that people always seem to to forget, and in fact, they, they love to cite, is, oh, but look what he did with Brighton. Look at what he did with Brighton. Um, well, what, what he did with Brighton was took a team that were um, newly promoted under Chris Hutton, just about survive relegation. And then after that, Hutton got sacked um, because the owner believed that they they could be more than that, be more than a team that survives relegation. And to be to be to Graham Potter's credit, um, he gradually turned them into a, a decent mid-table team. Um, but that's all he did. And I think we need to understand, and I'm not saying that, that, I'm not trying to belittle his job on what he's done, but all he did was make Brighton a middle-of-the-road team, um, just under, floating under about middle-of-the-road team. So in terms of their attacking creativity, um, they didn't really create that many big chances. They didn't, their XG was middle-of-the-road for the last three seasons, just under middle-of-the-road in, in the league. Um they don't really play great attacking football. Um, I think one thing that people have this is there's this allure with Brighton under Potter, where he can go on to, he could go to Old Trafford and you know 
against you know a Jose Mourinho, um, a Jose Mourinho or a um, or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or even a, a, a Eric Ten Hag, where he still kind of get to know his players and you know he could he can he can pass them off the pitch and you know keep the ball, but they're not really an inventive team. They don't really create that many chances. They don't really take that many shots. Um, so just looking and 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 the one thing I do want to actually stress. Brighton are not Chelsea. I want to repeat that. Brighton are not Chelsea. Opponents don't respect Brighton the same way that they would respect Chelsea in a sense that teams come up against Chelsea and sit back and we have to break them down as a big team, as a big club. Manchester City, Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool. Those teams have the respect of the league. Chelsea as well had the respect of the league. Therefore, when you come up against those teams, your tactics as a, as a team adopt, you change because you don't want to be too open at the back. So you're quite rigid, quite um, solid. You try and be um, defensively astute. You try and sit quite deep and play a low, a low defensive block. So it's, it's a different proposition when you're up against a team that's more open versus a team that is deeper. And I think one thing that Potter's really struggled with is the capacity and having the ideas and strategy to break down low blocks, you know? I think we've been a a shambles, a shambles at trying to break down teams in low blocks. An absolute shambles. Like, we have no idea what we're doing. No idea what we're doing. Um, I think the only moment this season, that's even from the beginning, where it's looked remotely decent was against West Ham. And even against West Ham, they weren't in a low block. They were quite open. And the moment that they sat deeper, it was game over. We, we couldn't open them. We couldn't create a chance. We didn't even have a shot in the second half. So it's just, it's a theme that I've noticed for a long time under Potter. It's um, a real mess. And that's one thing I want people to really understand is like, just as a Chelsea fan in general, I know think people are, a lot of people are at their tails end with, with with Graham Potter and I think there's a number of reasons whether it's the way he talks as a Chelsea manager the way he acts the excuses strategy tactics whatever substitutions whatever he's got a lot of faults um but I do want to stress that managing Brighton and managing Chelsea are very big different jobs like very very different you can try and implement your play but the 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 style of play that was working for you at Brighton isn't going to work here because what you're being asked to do is completely different to your remit at Brighton. You know what I mean? So my whole... I, the, the reason why I say this is that clubs like Chelsea, City, Liverpool, United, they really should be... Arsenal, they really should be appointing teams, I mean, appointing managers, coaches, that actually have the experience, courage, and the wherewithal to actually have an attacking strategy to break down low block teams. And invariably you get the the odd mid-table coach that can do that. But by and large, it's always of the elite teams or or floating there or thereabouts, the coaches that you can get to do that. Like a Deserbi. A Deserbi showed it at Sassuolo, for example. He he showed it at Sassuolo. Um, He showed it at Shakhtar Donetsk. Again, a club that is expected to win things. Um, So it's just... I think they made a massive, massive mistake. And I think they made a, a complete miscalculation of what it is to be successful as a coach 
of a big football club. Um, it's all, and I, to be honest, I I think it they made an amateurish mistake because they lacked the, the knowledge of football and lacked the knowledge of what it really takes to, to manage a top club. I think they completely disregarded Thomas Tuchel's feats. Um, and it's just a real mess at this moment in time. And they're sticking by him, which is credit to them, because this is their guy. They spent a lot of money to get him out of Brighton. Um, but I do want to kind of know your thoughts on... on What are your thoughts on Todd Bowley and... Um, Clear, clear, clear Lake. Um, what, what are your thoughts on them? Because it's it is a mad one, really. I think they they're trying, but I think they're just amateurish is the word. But I think that's quite harsh. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, I guess that the, the general feeling towards them is positive. Um, okay. I think every fan wants an owner that will come in and show intent because I think above all that's the biggest um should i say it's, it's like the biggest indicator of uh what what decisions they're going to take and mm. uh what what the out, outlook is going to look like for uh your team um and i th- i think i admire the, the 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 sort of negotiating um power or ability that they have uh, it's clearly uh, impress people across Europe. You know, you hear um, bits and bobs from 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 sort of agents and club presidents. Uh, well, aside from Benfica's, but <laughs> I think I think that that's great. I think the the intent, uh, sort of the news coming out recently about the stadium plan. I think that's long overdue, um, and it's something that the previous administration couldn't quite get over the line. Um, with with their the, their work on Potter uh, and just generally the mistakes they've made, um, I think it would be it wouldn't be fair um, to you know hold them to to, to to a standard where they can't make any mistakes. But mm. the, the problem is with with football clubs these these decisions these decisions are worth millions. Um, so everything you do is is under scrutiny. Um, the club is a, even though they own it as much as anything, it's it's a public in, it's, it's of public interest. It's a public asset. Yeah. So scrutiny is there. Um, you know what it I, is. I, I think I think they while they have tried, um, and you can see what you can see what they're doing. Um, they they have made mistakes, and yeah. I think for me the thing is okay. Are these good, are these mistakes going to carry on, or are these just teething issues? Because I mean yeah. they haven't even they haven't even been in charge a year. Yeah. Um, and a year is not that much time in terms of uh, football club ownership. Yeah. What, what I would say is um, just like, you know, Roman Abramovich kind of eloquently put it that he isn't, wasn't an owner of Chelsea. He was a custodian of Chelsea Football Club. And I think the new owners should really treat the ownership as custody, as cu- your custodian. And as a result, you should be making decisions in the best interest of the football club. You shouldn't be acting upon arrogance. You shouldn't be acting upon um, your own frustrations. You should be trying to make decisions. And it's hard because we're all human beings. But you should be acting in the best interest of the club. 
And I honestly think some of their decisions have been for vanity's sake rather than actually for the best interest of the Chelsea Football Club. I mean, look, Thomas Tuchel may have not been your favourite guy as an owner, but he's the only connection from the previous regime and a successful one of that too, um, even if you didn't like him as a character, is sacking him a couple weeks into the season after spending £250 million on his players. A sensible decision? One that's acting in the best interest of the club, especially after having so much change already? I don't think so. I personally don't think so. Um, you can argue that it was in the best interest of the club, but I just don't see how. I just don't see how. You could have you could have waited until the end of the season. You assess it. The season, you assess the season, not just in terms of performance, but your relationship um, with Thomas Tuchel, and then make the decision then. But they were far too hasty Far too determined and uh, excited to to rid the club of our historical um, legacy. Really, it's like well, it's almost like the stories that are coming out from these guys that are really making me kind of annoyed. It's like, oh well, the previous regime was a bit of a mess. The, the previous regime was a bit of a mess. I'm like, wait, what? Like, don't get me wrong, it wasn't perfect, but a mess. Two Champions Leagues, five Premier League titles, a mess. Oh, okay, fair enough. But so, if that's a mess, what is this? Because let's bear in mind, we've come in and spent more than anybody, just like Roman Abramovich did in 2003. But the performance levels, what did Roman Abramovich do in 2003? He gave um, Claudio Ranieri time, assessed him, and thought, you know what? Nah, okay, he's not the guy. Let me get the guy. But these guys have tried to just rip everything up. And essentially what they've done, they've ripped up the core of Chelsea Football Club. And right now, we're a shadow of ourselves. And it just, you can see it. You can see it. The players feel it. The fans feel it. Commentators even look at it in, in disbelief. So it, it's, it's honestly a mess, to be honest. Um, and whilst I think that they have done good, in terms of the transfers and, you know, trying to get player, um, Potter equipped with these young, fresh players, I think they've made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. I think they've done more mistakes than they've done good things, in, in my honest opinion. Um, but that's just an opinion. I mean, we, we can only just look at what's the proofs in the pudding, right? Um, so looking at results, um, obviously we know that Roman Abramovich would have sat Potter a long time ago. Um, but during this winless run that we've been on for quite some time, um, or not even winless run, this horrible form, relegation form, really. Um, you said that you've been watching the games. What have your what have you what have you what was your biggest takeaways from those games, though? And what game do you actually think we actually performed pretty decently in but didn't get the results? Um, so in terms of I guess the games that I've seen and, and the positives, I think a part of the issue is they're all individual. Um, so individual players sort of showing that they have a, they, they could have a part to play. Um, seeing the the progress uh, that new signings have made sit into the squad. Uh, one that stands out for me is uh, Badia Shilo. Um, yeah. I think uh, when he's played, he's been excellent. Yeah. Um, really resolute. Uh, 
no nonsense. Yeah. Uh, kind of just slotted in and did the job. He's just an excellent player, isn't he? I think yeah. he's really good. I think just his ability to read the game, his passing ability is top. And when he receives the ball, you're never really flustered. Like I never think he's flustered. I never get worried that under the press, I think he's just so comfortable on the ball. Um, again, very strong, quite mobile too. So I, I, I love that signing a lot. It's a very, very good signing. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and, what are your thoughts on Enzo? <laughs> um, so, do you know what? Again, I, I said this before in the in the when, when we signed. I think it was when we were linked with him. Um, I think I was on a pod and I said I watched the Argentina. Uh, team for a few games in the World Cup and didn't really notice him. And mm. to be honest, it's it's pretty much the same. Um, I think he he's come in and he's just sort of um, kind of just 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 playing. <laughs> and I can't really say any more than that. He's you know what? He's, he, a, he's a good. He, he's not a bad. Play- I think he's a good player. I think you yeah. can see he's got quality, but. It's hard to really assess him exactly given because, the lack of structure the way yeah. we currently have as a team. It's a exactly. long mess. And I feel like his confidence slowly but surely is being drained away. The same with Yao Felix, where they're just good players, very good players even, but structurally they're a mess, so you're not really getting to see them in their best light. And you're not because you're you're playing under, under a manager that's not really putting you in the best position to win and thrive. So it's hard to really judge them. And I think Chelsea fans, of course, in their frustration, are very quick to try and throw them under the bus. Um, obviously, Enzo costs over £100 million. Yao Felix, £8 million loan, and oh, there's probably going to be a £100 million fee. Um, I'd, I'd still pay it for Felix, um, because I, I think that under a good manager you get to see a, a good player. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I think out of the, all of the signings, it for me, Badishil has been fantastic. Um, and yeah, you, you can see that he started in quite quite seamlessly. But um, these are all, again, these are all individual, um, yeah, sort of yeah. individual strengths of the players coming, coming to the fore. Um, I think, uh, obviously, Felix... Um, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a real juggernaut. Um, exactly the kind of player I like. Big baller. Um, and I think obviously there's been accusations that he's a idea baller. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there have been a, a few instances where um, he he hasn't got his head up or yeah. played the pass as quickly as you'd expect from a player uh, with his of his imagination. Like, like, yeah, he's got a lot that, of imagination and quality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think I think all in all, there, there, there's a there's a there's a good player in there, and I think uh, especially in in the first few, well, the, the first game against Fulham, mm. um, against West Ham, against Dortmund, um, you kind of saw what he could bring to the team. Yeah. Um, but in terms of positives from our fixtures, um, I think we we looked good in spells against uh, West Ham, uh, against Liverpool. Um, there were some moments where we were sort of showing some attacking I don't know if dominance is the word but mm. um what was the game where Felix scored was that um where, that was West Ham wasn't West it? Ham, yeah. yeah so, so again our first 20 20 yeah. minutes. 20 minute burst where it looked yeah. very very good um but again and, you're and, mentioning you're mentioning Liverpool you're mentioning West Ham and those games aren't really the reason yeah, why I say that not deep blocks 
Yeah, you know what I mean? So the Liverpool at this moment in time are defensively a shambles, a complete shambles, right? So they're playing right now, again, you touch, we touch. You attack, we attack, right? And it's not good because Liverpool structurally, not even structurally, but in terms of their physical profile, players are much older than they were before, two years ago. So there's a physical decline in midfield, a physical decline in the defence, and then you've still got Trent, who's not really a good defender. So already three of the back four are looking a bit leggy and shaky. So when you have a, a, a poor person, poor personnel or, or waning personnel, then yeah, again, you can get you can get at them. So there are moments against Liverpool, yeah, it looked good because they're pretty open. They're not a really deep block team. So they'll give you a chance to get at them. But where you lack, and this is where it is, where you've got a team that's not particularly clinical, where a good coach earns his money is where he allows you to sometimes automate plays and automate um, offensive strategies where you can get in positions to get easy goals. So you remember Thomas Tuchel, for example, I don't like keep going back to him, but even we can talk about Lampard, we could talk about Jose, we could talk about Conte, where there's levels of automation and how you want to play. So those quick balls down the side, Reese James or visit low cross, you attack the front post, it's a goal. Giroud, Havertz, um, Tammy, for example, you attack the front post, you attack the near post, it's a goal. You know what I mean? And you've got the the inverted um You've got the inverted fullbacks. So you've got wingback, Chilwell attacking the back post. And then you've got Mason Mount um, or, or the other winger in the six-yard box, at least. So you get at least four or five players in the, in the box. There's a strategy there. But against Liverpool, you had good individual moments where, you know, you're almost there. But because you've not really got that level of automation and just understanding of what the coach wants... It falls down. It messes up. People make uh, the wrong decision. And that happened under Tuchel sometimes, but not to this level. It's really, really insane. Um, But again, it goes back to the point of just trying to unlock a deep block. There's no real semblance of idea of what we should be doing. Um, I mean, I I think tactically in the games that I've watched, it does seem like we start well. Um, And... You know, we have we have a, a, a little burst, and then maybe we sort of run out of ideas, um, and maybe we get a goal before half time. And the general pattern is, um, if we don't get a goal, um, we'll concede and lose. If we do get a goal, we'll concede and draw. Uh, we're really struggling to uh, sort of create uh, good chances. And I think ta- tactically, um, you could say if if, the, if we had maybe a twenty minute spell. In each game, um, where you know you could see the, posi- the, the the positive attacking intent that we we, sh- we showed in that first 20, 30 minutes against West Ham, um, if you could see that progressing, sort of game to game, maybe we're not winning, but you could see that pattern sort of going across from game to game. Then maybe I think the supporters would give him uh, a yeah. lot more grace. They'd give him more leeway um, for sure. Yeah. But I think where, where the, the part of the issue is is um, nothing goes from game to game except our inability to score. So it seems whatever positives there are from uh, one match by the next match, um, they're, it's they're gone. All, yeah, it they're all gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, I mean, tactically, with I feel like with uh, it feels it feels a lot like on the Lampard um, where I almost thought in in that period. Um, it's it's hard to tell uh, 
what's bad tactically um, in in a structure. Um, but when you're faced with uh, a new manager, so so I saw the difference in structure um, or the issues with Lampard's structure so much more clearly uh, when Tuchel came in. Yeah. Um, so the the juxtaposition between structure and sort of whatever was happening on the Lampard, um, it, it made it very clear that okay, this is what an organized team looks looks like. Um, yeah. You can see the what the manager wants um, it might not be perfect, but you can see it. Um, yeah. And maybe, maybe it's a thing with young managers, but they quite haven't quite figured out. They don't have the experience in the game. Um, I'm not sure you can level that Potter, but. But um, I mean, that's the thing. Potter's not that inexperienced. He's not that young. Like, yeah, uh, like but in, in this, this in this sort of in this sort of in, game game structure, yeah, this game yeah. state where it's about breaking down a team. Yeah, he's still yeah. new and he doesn't yeah. know really how to. And that, and that's like. He, but this is the maddest thing, though. He's tactically surprisingly been worse than Frank was under us, and I find that. Insane because I think Frank was so tactically inept. So this is really bad. It might like, and I, it's not. I don't want the geezer to fail. I don't want Potter to fail. You know, I don't want Chelsea to be in this current joke of a predicament. But objectively speaking, Frank was never this bad. Frank had to deal with far more adversity with his team make far more ch- like I just to give Potter so much grace in terms of having so many players you know um, coming in mid-season um, having injuries I mean injuries are part of part of the game you wanted players more players in because you had so many injuries now the players are back fit you're then complaining about having too many players are you, did you not think that they'd come back at any point? What are you thinking in the, in that strategy then, in terms of buying all these players? Like you, you've only done it to yourself. You can't complain. This is yeah. all your transfer guys. These are all your guys from Brighton. So it, it well, anyway. So I, I, I definitely don't subscribe to the the the, the thing where oh, he needs this play. He needs the players back, and he needs yeah. he needs um, these signings. I think as a manager. Even if you have a perfect squad of twenty-five, you're never going to have a perfect um, run exactly. where all your players are fit. So I think exactly. you have to judge him on what he does when the conditions aren't aren't favourable. Um, I completely agree. Completely agree. And it's just as it just as you just look at it, it's just not good enough. Um, so I just, yeah, it's it's just not good enough. And I kind of want to lead on to the game against Spurs. Um, I didn't catch it live, but I did watch some. Um, did rewatch the game. Uh, it just again, Tottenham Hotspur, not necessarily a free flowing team. Once again, they sat in a pretty low block. Chelsea looked not okay. We looked interested in the game in the first couple of minutes, but then Tottenham almost like they sat back and they're like, "Well, oh, is that all they've got? All right, fine, let's play now." And then. It was, you know, you go weak. It wasn't really you go we go. It was more like, okay, it's a relatively even game. Chelsea aren't doing much. Spurs are having shots. You know, they hit the post in the first half um, with Hoiberg deflected effort. It just, it just, again, we just looked 
devoid of ideas. And um, it, we just looked like never scoring. W- what were your thoughts when you saw the team lineup? Because again, Mason Mount's been out of the team for quite some time. Um, did you think you'd potentially start that game? Um, uh, no. I think what the surprise is more at how much football uh, Ziek has been getting. Um, <laughs> Boy. For me, for me, um, obviously, Loftus-Cheek and Fernandez. That kind of that kind of made sense. Um, I think he's trying to have some consistency in that area. Loftus-Cheek yeah. sort of did well the last time he played with with Enzo. Um, I, I, the confusion was more around the, the why why Badashil wasn't playing. Maybe he wants to get Kulabali um, a bit more minutes in his legs, a bit more um, sort of get him up to speed for the return leg at Dortmund um, but I, I, I think with, with Mount um, again it's the whole square pegs and round holes thing um, yeah. if you are going to play him in this 4-2-3-1 um, which he seems to be sticking with um, what what role is there for him what like what specifically is he going to are you looking for him to do um, yeah um, and I, I can understand why he's gone with, with Felix in that position to behind the, behind, behind Havertz because it, um, they have shown flashes of having good chemistry, um, yeah. and you, you think Felix's creativity would be the would be key to unlocking um, that Spurs defense. But uh, aside, aside from that, I mean, the, the, I feel like the, the team sheet was pretty standard. Um, yeah. Uh, re, what, what 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 were your thoughts going into the game? Did you? I mean, you say you didn't watch it, but you, you know my you know my my thoughts going into these games is we're not going to win the game and probably going to lose the game. Um, I I I can't remember the last time, and I'm being completely honest. I can't remember the last time we've gone into a game. Where I thought, yeah, we're going to win this game. It's been it's been very, like even okay. So remember in November where people called me negative. Well, I said we could potentially be 14th here. Um, because even if it's not in the forest, I'm uncomfortable. Um, we dropped points that day. Um, I think the only game that we've won where I wasn't expecting to win is Crystal Palace. Um, who else did we beat? Was that uh, Bournemouth? It was Bournemouth, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, you know what I mean? So, uh, it's been a very long time since I've... I felt confident that we're going to get points. Um, so the, the run that we're on is unsurprising to me. I called it, I said it was going to happen. Um, so it's just something needs to change. Um, I know people say that there's no point sacking the manager now. Usually I would agree. Um, but the more you keep him, the more things become super toxic. Um, which is probably damaging to his career, which I wouldn't want, um, but also damaging to the club. I think where you've got a chance, and I think this Champions League is so open. I don't think there's really any outstanding side. Obviously, you've got Real Madrid who have their heritage ball, but there's no real genuine, I think they're going to win it type teams. I think this is very open. Um, And whilst you're 1-0 down, you're playing the second leg at home, I think a change of manager, change of atmosphere, because you go into that game with Graham Potter, the atmosphere is not going to be good. 
that like your 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 home team or your home fans should be supporting the players, supporting the manager and willing them on. But the manager, they're not having him. They hate him, honestly. They they you think they they know he's the worst that they've ever had. So it's hard to support that. It's hard to support them and the players in that in that sort of environment. And where you need when you're playing with a manager that's not competent, then you know. It's hard to really see where that energy, motivation, and performance is going to come from. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't say that I've, there's there's a game that I, I feel confident with. You know, we're, we're playing um, against Leeds this weekend again. I don't feel confident. I don't. I've seen them give um, Manchester United a game, a good Manchester United team, a game, um, and just about fall down in the second game that they played against them. I, I, they have a good team. Um, at this moment in time, we're not. So I wouldn't be surprised if we lost or dropped points against them. Um, and then we've got the Dortmund game. So I, I do think a change is necessary um, because, again, we can salvage something this season. We really can. Um, the idea that it's unsalvageable is, for me, insane because, again, we're still like only 12 points off of the top four. Um, a lot can change. We've still got to play all the big guys. Um, apart from Spurs, so a lot can change. Um, so I wouldn't throw away this this season, and I think people are already throwing it away earlier in the year. I'm like, no, let's not do that. It's Chelsea, Chelsea Football Club. We're a team that's used to winning, a team that's used to excelling. So trying to get rid of that winning DNA, that winning culture, and this that that's life mentality that Graham Potter's trying to instill. I just we can't let the mediocrity like sit in. We can't. Otherwise, we lose everything. You know, we lose everything. Um, I, I think for, for me, what, what the, the season has gone, for me, what it doesn't mean um, any result is okay. For me, what that means is um, you have the freedom to whatever whatever tactical plan it is you want to implement, whatever work you need to do with the players, um, rather than sort of going back to the short-term um sort of mold that we're used to with, with, with managers where they take certain, I, I don't know if shortcuts is the right word, but certain decisions that are probably better in the short term to win immediately. Mm. Um, he has the freedom not to take those decisions. He has the, the I guess, the season to figure out what it is he needs to do. And within figuring out, the results are meant to come from that. I mean, a lot of I'm not saying he needs to, uh, like, he has complete freedom to do whatever he wants. But I think when we say the season's gone, it, it means, okay, we're out of both domestic cups. We're not going to win the league. Um, why don't you make the decisions you need to make and have the short-term pain? Um, and we'll see where that leaves us at the end of the season. I mean... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, r- rounding out the, the Spurs game, I remember the last time we were on a, a, a pod together, I think we spoke about two of the more controversial players, um, Mount and Havertz. And I think we've touched on Mount. Yeah. Um, but Potter seems to have, you know, one of the decisions he seems to have made is that Havertz is this guy. Um, yeah. And Aubameyang has hardly featured yeah, what 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 have been your thoughts on, on Havertz? I mean, in in the Spurs game and in general. Yeah, I mean, like 
it, it's something that I've always I've always said. Kai's not a striker. Um, so relying upon Havertz to be this all goal scoring player is unrealistic. I think Kai Havertz is a one in three footballer in terms of goals, and that's what he gives you. Um rely you're having your team rely upon him to be your key goal scorer is going to be asking for failure. Um now in a team where they're already struggling for an attack attacking identity. Um it, it, for me it's unsurprising that he's not hitting good numbers. And you then look at the rest of the team and they're not hitting good numbers because again, a lack of attacking strategy, a lack of attacking plan. So it's unsurprising. And in terms of like his general performance, um, I can't say they've been too bad, to be honest. Um, there's been games where he probably should have scored. Um, I remember the game against Fulham at the bridge, I think it was, um, where he had that chance where he, he lobbed the keeper and it hit the post. And then he had another chance where it got a, a, a nick from Tim Ream and he, he right-footed it over the, over the bar on a stretch. Um, but generally, he's not really had that many chances in games. He's been the one that's actually been feeding. Like the last five games, I think he's been our most creative player. Um, created four chances against Liverpool. I think four chance, uh, three chances against West Ham. Uh, and these are, and he again, he's not even started. There's a game that he didn't start. It was against. Um, who was it against? I think Datro started the game, and um, Potter decided to take him off despite him. He played pretty. Decently in the first half, um, I think that's against Southampton. We lost to Southampton, bottom of the league, managerless. Um, and yeah, Havertz again came on, created two clear-cut chances for Raheem Sterling. They weren't taken. Um, it's just I think he's been okay. I wouldn't say he's been. I don't think any of our players have been great this season, apart from Thiago Silva um, and Kepa, arguably. Um, but Kepa's kind of reverting back to type. I, I don't think he's been bad. I think I can understand his decision to go with um, with Kai because I think Kai helps the team. And yeah, I think he helps the team a lot more than say an Abamyang would. Um, so and he likes to bring in other players, whereas Datro is quite individualistic. Um, Felix played that Southampton game with Datro in the first half, and he didn't really have anyone to connect with. He was quite poor. Um, and I think when Havertz came on, he looked a lot better. Again, I think you, if you want to do anything as a striker, as an attacker, I'm sorry, as a coach that doesn't really have an attacking strategy, then you want to play players that have some sort of um, cohesion and chemistry. So Kai and Felix makes it makes perfect sense. Um, I think, yeah, I think Havertz's last three games has played better than Felix, for example. So... Um, I don't think he's really the problem in our attack. I think the problem is our coach, if I'm honest with you. Um, but I do want to get predictions because um, we're going to round up now. Um, what are your predictions for the match against Leeds? Um, what, what do you think the score is going to be? And what's the team you'd go with? Um, I think yeah, out of the, the, the teams you've played in this in this run, uh, Leeds are probably the ones that are most likely to give us the space um, mm. that 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 we need. So, I, I mean, I'm I'm sort of predicting some respite for Potter in this game. Um, 
I think we are solid ish defensively. Um, we're always good for a goal, but generally we don't tend to concede um, more than one. Mm. Um, so I, I think I think we'll get a narrow win, maybe a two-one. Um, and if it was me, um, my team would be sort of similar to the one that started against Spurs. Okay. Um, I'd probably go with um, Madueke, um against on, on, instead of Ziyech on the right wing yeah. um, and probably keep the rest the same. Uh, maybe Badiashile in for Koulibaly. Um, I mean, Koulibaly is... He, when, I, when, I, when I watch him play, um, you can see that he's... He's got attributes, but he he strikes me as a a young defender. He looks like a young defender. Yeah, um, do you know what it is? Yeah, with 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 Kulabali, what I find, I think he's a player. He's front footed, very front footed, right? So I think in a in a good structure, team structure, that could work because Rudiger used to be very front footed as well and aggressive, and try to come out and close the space between him himself and the attacker. Um, I think one thing with Koulibaly, I think he's probably one struggling with the pace of the league because he's still pretty new, which people forget. Um, so I think he does make some quite rash decisions in coming out. Um, but I also think he's, he he cuts a frustrated figure. You know what I mean? And he, Koulibaly is a very cool, calm, collected player. Um, but he seems so frustrated. And I don't think he's happy with the situation at Chelsea right now. I don't think he's happy that obviously... Thomas Tuchel got sacked because that was the reason why he came. Same with Raheem Sterling. Um, I think obviously now Badia Shields come in and looks impressive. So he just doesn't look quite happy. Um, that being said, he did have a fantastic performance against Dortmund. But it, it, it's not looked good. Um, I, I definitely would agree. Um, but again, teething problems in this first season, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he was moved on in the summer. Um, but it remains we, to be seen. So, so, so you're we, saying so, so you're saying it's um a win against Leeds? Yeah, narrow, narrow win. Narrow win. What's the yeah. prediction? What do you give me? Two one. Two one. Two one. Okay. Yeah. So you don't think Kepa's keeping a clean sheet? Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, good. What about you? What's your what's your lineup? What's your Oh lineup similar to um Spurs game? Chilwell, Reese James, fullback, um, Fafana, because Thiago Silva's out injured. So Fafana and um, Badishil at centre back. I'd then have Enzo. Well, I might even drop Enzo, you know. And, but Enzo and Loftus Cheek um, in midfield. I'd play left wing, Raheem <laughs> Sterling. No me drink. You know what? I'd play Modric on the right, to be honest. I'd play Modric on the right. It'd, it'd be Modric or Sterling on the right. Um, so, either of them. Um, Felix is a 10. Kai as, an, as the, the 9. That's how I'd go with it. Madueke, I think he's still very young. So, him being 20, there isn't a pressure for him to really be starting games immediately. Modric came with a massive price tag. So I think with that, he should be like, he should be, because he, he was bought with the idea that, you know, you're going to be the guy. 
So him being relegated to a rotational player, for me, is not good. Is not good at all. So he should be given the confidence and the trust to play games because, again, that cameo against Liverpool was stunning. So if that's the real player, then we should really be trying to build towards him getting a, a starting berth regularly in our team because Lord knows we need some impetus in our attack and right now we lack everything um but yeah bro jerry it was fantastic talking to you bro it's um been a while but um yeah thank you for coming on um and that's it for this week thank you guys for listening to us um we'll be back same time next week um and hopefully this time next week um we will have a win against leeds and potentially a win against dortmund but if not can't say it will be a surprise. But anyway, catch you guys next week. Um, yeah, take it easy. Peace. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.